welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, webheads, along with Paul Roshan? AJ Riley, Ryan Griffin, I'm Matt Bass, and welcome to Sports Carnage. Last week, our bitch fest of the Lions, we're taking a break from that. Tonight, we are just playing a couple games with you, sports-related, obviously. We got a gang of Grizzly takes lined up for you, but first, we are got to play a little game I like to call... Who in the blue hell are you? Who the hell are you? So, pretty simple, I'm going to be giving hints to a player who has played with three different teammates in their career, and Ryan... Paul and AJ each have their own individual players to guess for the above hints. So, Paul, obviously, we're doing football for you. Ryan, basketball for you. AJ, baseball for you. Except for the last one, I decided to mix things up and give basketball to Paul, baseball to Ryan, and football to AJ. Oh, so, start, geez. Paul. I told you I was having a not great day. <laughs> you have to throw this right. You gotta make me embarrass myself. I like it though. I like it. This is a disaster. Hey. This is a dis- it's a good thing we're playing games well, tonight. Lighthearted. Y'all so whooped my ass last time we did this. And I didn't want to come out and just make it impossible because that's not fair. So which so what did you are- give Ryan? For the for the last one, Ryan's gonna have baseball. NHL. Ryan gets NHL. No. Why? What do there, you mean why? For obvious reasons. We don't reasons. even do hockey. For we don't do hockey. Reasons. We don't do hockey. Oh. And Ryan doesn't know that much baseball. He said it himself. So I took the sport that you guys identify with the least, except in AJ's case. I already gave you basketball, Paul. Yeah. So so AJ gets football. (laughs) Yeah, football. Okay. But don't worry, Paul. We're starting with football for you. So this Super Bowl champion and defensive player of the year has played with Jim Harbaugh. Priest Holmes and Shannon Sharp. You have one minute to figure out who it is. When you say played with Jim Harbaugh, is this Jim Harbaugh the coach or Jim Harbaugh the player? Played with Jim. Played with, not for. Did I say for? I'm, no, I'm I said just played with very Jim Harbaugh. And who else? As well as Priest Holmes and Shannon Sharp. Mike Singletary? No. <laughs> I'll give you one more guess. That was maybe the worst guess of all time. <laughs> Oddly enough, though, on the right track. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I Paul. I but apologize. Is it that bad of a guess? But not that. Not quite. Well, I, I don't think that he played with Priest Holmes. Yeah. Who is the third? He might have played with Shannon. Sharp. I don't know. I don't think. Priest I don't Holmes think he played. Did, like I don't know his career. All right, played, one more guess. He played with Harbaugh, right? This is the only... I don't know who the hell... I don't know. I have no idea. I have literally no idea. AJ, Ryan, you guys want to try and steal this? What, what were his accolades again? Super Bowl champion, defensive player of the year. Uh, he played got 10 with Harbaugh, with Priest, with Priest Holmes. Holmes, and with Shannon Sharp. This one's just too old for me, man. Like, this is just me being young. Sure. Um, no, no, that's not Ray Lewis, is it? Yep. There you go. <laughs> when did Ray Lewis play with nice Harbaugh? Nice 
1998, Jim Harbaugh was on the Baltimore Ravens. Ryan's too good at this game. I know, right? He really is too good at this game. He steals everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Way too good at this game. I didn't know Priest Holmes played for the Ravens. Yep, nineteen also 1998. That one team had two guys I could pull off the list. And then Shannon Sharp joined them in 2000. What? What? I can't believe Jim Harbaugh played with Ray Lewis. (laughs) It's crazy what you He's just too old, man. I'm too young for this. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I am too young for this. (laughs) All right, Ryan. This rookie of the year played with Charles Oakley, Muggsy Bogues, and Mark Jackson. And these are three different teammates on three different teams in three consecutive years. Oh, Jesus. Charles Oakley, Muggsy Bogues. Rookie of the year, Oakley, Muggsy Bogues, Mark Jackson. Either you guys want to steal? Uh, I'm not give, in the mood to steal. Give it to me again. Rookie of the year. Yeah. Played with Charles Oakley, Muggsy Bogues, and Mark Jackson. Larry Johnson. No. He is known as Half Man, Half Amazing. From the air up there, Vince Carter. Oh, oh nice. shit, yeah. Oakley was a teammate in 98-99 with Toronto. Muggsy Bogues, 99-2000. Mark Jackson, 2000-2001. Okay. Gotcha. I thought thought it was three different teams. Okay. I feel you. Oh, my bad. I didn't mean to to confuse you with that. Nah, you're good. Three different teammates from three different years. I don't know that I would have gotten it anyway. All right, AJ. That makes sense, though. This World Series champion has played with Jack Morris, Troy Gloss, and Derek Jeter. Oh, jeez. World Series champion with Jack Morris, Troy Gloss. And the captain himself. The captain himself. Man. got 30 seconds to figure it out. Chuck Knobloch? Negatory. I mean, now you might be right. I don't know. I haven't checked Knobloch's. uh, (laughs) Matt, Matt, I got to ask you a question. (laughs) Running here. Priest Holmes, Jim Harbaugh, and who? Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Uh, Either you guys want to steal this one? Ryan? Mike Musina. <laughs> no. He is one of my favorite players as a child, Cecil Fielder. Played with Jack hey. Morris on the Tigers. Yeah. Troy Gloss, the 98 Anaheim Angels. And he was on the 96 World Series champion, New York Yankees. Hmm. Not for the longest of times, but he was on it. <laughs> wow. Okay. 
Okay, 0 for 1. I, I think I'm the worst like, at this game, to be honest with you. Was it, was it one of those situations where, like, he didn't actually play with them? No, he like, played with them. Well no, no, he, so. no, he had, you know, he, he just, it's like, not like he had, like, 200 oh, bats or anything with them. He had, I mean, hey, what year game. did you have him on the Tigers? 90, right? 1990 with Jack Morris, yeah. yeah. I was I, I did not remember Cecil Fielder being on the '96 Yankees. Yeah, it was a short stint. Yeah, he went. Yeah, that was the year Detroit traded him to the Yankees. Yeah. So he spent 107 games with the Tigers and then 53 with the Yankees. Yeah. Oh, he did have 200 bats with the Yankees. <laughs> How do you hit? Uh, 260. Better than he was hitting with the Tigers that year. Yeah, like father, like son. Well, I mean, twelve points lower than what he was hitting with us, higher than what he was hitting with us. So really, not terrible. What is it? Did Cecil Fielder skip the nineteen eighty nine year? He was in Japan. Understand? He was. Yeah, we signed him out of Japan. Didn't know know that. So side back though, that nineteen ninety year. Went to uh, an A's Tigers game. This is, you know, the A's, the defending champs. And both Bash brothers and Cecil all hit home runs. Cecil actually left the ballpark with his home run. Yeah. Tiger Stadium. And he went, he went dumb that year. Jesus. 132 RBIs, 51 home runs. Yeah, he had some big years. Yeah. Had a great mustache back then, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Paul. Another football one for you. Hall of Famer, five-time All-Pro, played with Steve Young, Brian Dawkins, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, this man played. <laughs> Hall of Famer, five-time All-Pro. The crafty lefty, Brian Dawkins, and Fitzmagic. Oh, Ryan's already got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like 100%. <laughs> I already know he's ready to steal. Thirty seconds. Brian Dawkins fits in who? Steve Young. Jesus Christ! Did this man play for 70 years? <laughs> Ten Patrick started his career. Oh God, Kurt you don't know Warner, Brian. You don't know who Brian Dawkins is, do you? No, he wasn't. All right, oh, you are Fitzy, baby. out of time. Yeah, you gotta throw a guess out there. He never played. No way. Need a guess. Four, three, two, one. Ryan, steal it. It's the most hated man from Paul and Dylan's shared memory. Terrell Owens. <laughs> yes, sir. Who? I didn't catch T.O. T.O. Terrell Team Owens. Team Obliterator. Best receiver in the league during his time. When the hell did Terrell Owens play with Ryan Fitzpatrick? 2009-2010, Buffalo. Buffalo Bills. Ryan Fitzpatrick was really hopping around from team to bad. team at that. 
Wait, why yeah, do you not like T.O.? Because you and Dylan hate him. I do not hate him. Yes, you do. No, why? pull the receipts. <laughs> you guys said that he shouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Garbage ass. Arguably a better receiver than Randy Moss at the time. Stop. All right, that's All right. Stop. That's my thing. Ryan, this five-time, five-time NBA champion played with Rasheed Wallace, Jason Kidd, and Michael Jordan. I know. Jim? I think I know. Huh. I had one guess, but he played more than five. Rasheed, Jason Kidd, and Michael. No, he wanted to play with Jordan. But damn. So many guys have won five. That's crazy. Rashid JK. Thirty seconds. <laughs> AJ, you think you know? I think so. I have a I have a guess. Let me just put it that way. I have a guess as well. John Sally? No. Nope. All right, AJ, you want to try and steal it? Uh, you said Rashid, Jason Kidd, Jason and Michael Kidd. Jordan. Uh, no, my guess just went out the window. I'm going to go with uh, Ron Harper. Nope. Mm. Paul? Uh, I'm going to say Derek Fisher. Negative. Steve Kerr. Kerr. Damn. Played with Rashid in 2001-2002 Portland. Jesus. Played with Kidd in 98-99 in Phoenix. And we know he was part of the three-peat with MJ, the second three-peat. Okay. All right. AJ, this MVP and World Series champion, played with Randy Johnson, Pudge Rodriguez, and Gary Sheffield. Pudge Rodriguez, Randy Johnson, Randy Johnson Gary, Sheffield. Gary Sheffield. You said MVP and World Series champion. Yep. I know this one. I'm pretty sure I know this one. Maybe I'm stupid, though. Well, in 30 seconds, if AJ ain't got nothing, you get a chance no, to steal. I'm stupid. You gave me Randy Johnson a few weeks ago. Did I? Yeah, he was one of the players like... a few weeks ago. Well, the man did make the rounds a little bit in his career. Towards the end. Okay, so Four of the guess... three. Randy Johnson, Pudge Rodriguez, and Gary Sheffield. You got ten seconds, AJ. Yeah. Um, my guess is it is somebody from the Yankees. Five seconds uh, left. A Rod. Yep. I was I was hey. right. God dang it! I'm so mad. The one that the one that I would have actually gotten today, and AJ gets it. <laughs> played with Randy Johnson in Seattle. And played with Pudge and the 05 in Yankees. 05 and the 05 Yankees. Yankees. <laughs> and Pudge in Texas, and Gary Sheffield was on the 04 Yankees. 
So him and Johnson were... Oh, no, it's funny, actually, like, doing this, like, how many times guys have been teammates on different teams? Yeah. Like, like some of the basketball ones, like, those Bulls that won championships together, they made the rounds on other teams together as well. Oh, yeah. All right, good. I'm glad I got that All right, that Paul. One. Finally. Switching over to the court for you. I think that's the first one I've gotten right in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul, this scoring champ has played with Allen Iverson, J.R. Smith, and Jason Kidd. J.R. Smith. A.I. Jason Kidd and who? And J.R. Smith. seconds. You said AI Jason Kidd and J.R. Smith. Yes, I did. You got 15 seconds. To guess. Throw it out there. Carmelo? Yep. Yeah, buddy. McGrady? No, you got it right. Carmelo oh, Anthony. Oh, I thought you said no. Ass. I thought you I said, said no, yeah. too. What? I thought you I said, said no, yeah. too. It really sounded like it. I was like, come yeah. on, dude. No, really? I said, yep. Yeah. When did. Uh... Play with AI in Denver. J.R. Smith was on the 2011 12 Knicks, and Jason Kidd, which I completely forgot Jason about, Kidd's was on the 2012 2013 Knicks. Yeah, See, that's, the Knicks. that's one that threw me off was Jason Kidd. I was like, what There's the always the one that's Kidd. meant to throw you off in there. I can't make this too easy. It was Kidd, man. Matt, I'm like, Matt, this is not easy, so don't worry about that. <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> Two weeks ago when we did this, y'all whooped my ass. Like, I don't know if anyone got you one. You can't get oh, no. whooped. You're just asking questions. I'm the house, bitch. You're He's the literally host. trying to stump <laughs> us. Why are you rooting against us? He is the whole time. All right, Ryan. This MVP oh, and World Series champion played with Curtis Granderson, Pudge Rodriguez, and Tori Hunter. And Miguel Cabrera? That one was hard to try and find a good baseball one that wasn't going to be ridiculously hard for you. Hard. I that tried way, yeah. to make it. Well, no, because I went with Pudge <laughs> off of the Florida team. Because <laughs> oh. they were teammates when they won the championship together. Yeah, the only championship he's won. Well, true As a rookie. Yeah. All right. Well, that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and here we just got AJ, one of the three was. baseball players that Ryan knows. <laughs> AJ, yeah. this Super Bowl champion has played with Tiki Barber, Marshall Falk, Marshall Falk, can't even say his name, Jesus, and Edger and James. Oh boy. What were the clues besides who he played with? Super Bowl champion. Gotta be somebody who was 
is on the cold. Corona Marshall fucking who? Edron James. Edron James and Tiki Barber. Uh, yeah. Oh, and and Marshall Falk. What an easy job. 20 seconds. Is this wrong, Mama? Say Reggie Wayne. I know this. Negative. It's Kurt Warner. Yes, sir. Yep. Ah, uh, good call. Where? The Edron James was on the Cardinals with him. I have a quick question. Did I accidentally fruity and slip and say Kurt Warner when I asked you? No. You did. Did he? I was obviously yes, paying attention. I was so excited because I knew it. Or I was pretty sure I knew it, but I wasn't a hundo. <laughs> How did you ask that question? I said, I asked the three players and I said Kurt Warner the three players. The first one he said. That oh. threw me off because I was like, I was like, I didn't hear Tiki Barber in that list of players you just said, but you definitely said three names. I think, I think, I think Discord skipped on me because I didn't, he, I didn't hear all three of your guys either. It. I was so excited, I almost ruined it. No, because oh, so I, the only one I wasn't sure because I knew Tiki Barber spent his whole career with the Giants, and I was not a hundred percent if Kurt Warner played for the Giants. Yep, yeah, he, he backed up Eli. He mentored he? young Eli. Yep, mentored Eli, and then he was supposed to mentor Matt Leinart, but Matt Leinart was too big for his britches, and that didn't work out. Obviously, he played for Falk with um, the yeah, goddamn... Um, greatest show on turf. Yeah. Greatest show on turf, yeah. And then he was with James in Arizona. Yep. Yeah. Where everyone forgets Edger and James went. That's I mean, why That's why I was like, you know, Edger and James, Marshall Falk, it had to be a cold, and I was already off, because that was my whole line of thinking. I was just trying to remember Colts. So, good. But See, the reason, the reason I know Edgar and James played for Arizona is because I love to beast out with uh, Larry Fitz and Madden. Aha. All right, so that is it for Who the Hell Are You. Thanks for playing, guys. I think I'm we'll, uh, in the last place for our season total if we were keeping Ryan season total. Ryan is going to win, though. This is like Whose Lines It Anyways, where the points Ryan are made up and the yeah. winner doesn't matter. <laughs> So, all right. All the video games I played growing up. I know who was on those so teams. We'll keep... <laughs> I promise we'll keep, you, in, the, uh, in 10 the to 20 and years, I will be unstoppable at this. I need more. <laughs> I need more. Yes, but apparently you're too young for Ray Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Ray Lewis played with Jim Harbaugh. Obviously. I didn't either. I didn't either until I started doing this. Jim Harbaugh was the problem for me. No, me neither. I knew he played with Sharp and then the other guy. Though. Jim Harbaugh is the problem for a lot of people, Paul. So, welcome to the show. I will. <laughs> <laughs> everyone trying to ruin my data? No, I just... All you, right. You throw the softball out there, night. I'm going to knock it out of the park. I just want to have a peaceful night, man. <laughs> we are on to Grizzly Takes, <laughs> where we got a extended, a, an extended Grizzly Takes session. Yeah, like we got nothing else to talk about. Part one and part two. There is no sports. And I don't know if anyone else stayed up along with Ryan last night to watch the Korean Baseball League kickoff. But I was part of it. I didn't watch it all. Yeah, you didn't watch it all? You couldn't stick around? No. <laughs> Ryan was like, I really miss sports. And then 10 minutes and he was like, not that much. Yeah, like I don't even watch real baseball that much. And then the, one of the dudes from, from the Samsung Lions made two nice plays in right field. Like two good catches and then they had like another wall catch later. I was like, yeah. I was like, God dang. I will say though, so like they, um, they funneled in just some like ambient background noise of 
it sounded like people chirping, and you really couldn't tell the difference between actually no fans at the game or watching a baseball game on like ESPN. Now, is that because it's baseball? Do you think they'll work for football? Because we talked no, about this. No, I, I think it's I think night. it's because it's baseball. God dang it! Because I talked we talked about this last night, and that was my thing. <coughs> if they can fake people in the stands and just pump in noise, hang on. The Colts have been doing that for years. <laughs> so I mean, God. it's nothing. It's not like it's new. Colts Falcons. I mean, dome teams been pumping that shit in for years. So you know, we just gotta have all the games be indoors. Why dome teams? Outside teams have speakers. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not. The it same. doesn't bounce the same. No. I feel All right, like it, so for I tonight's... honestly feel like it'd be easier for an outdoor team because the sound's not going to come through as tinny and it's going to dissipate better. No, it the sound travels and rises, man, and if you've got a ceiling on it, it doesn't. It has nowhere to go, so it just keeps bouncing around. Oh That's no, it'll be it... more effective, but I also think easier to get caught. Oh, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. All right, Grizzly Takes, let's do it. Yes, so tonight's round of Grizzly Takes. We got three of them. Uh, so we're doing the Team of the Decade for 2010 through 2019. And we're not doing the overall franchise of the decade. So we're not saying the Patriots for football. Important distinction. Or the yes, Warriors very, for basketball or whatever. Important it is an individual team from the decade of 2010 to 2019 that you are saying, if all the teams went up against each other, the best team, the championship team from each year, and faced off, this one team would be the winner. So we got that. Do they have the to player, have title? Uh, it doesn't have to. You, can, you don't have to. If you think there was a better team that lost the title or didn't even make the title, you make that argument. Throw it out there. The player of the decade for each sport. Now we're talking baseball, football, basketball, and hockey. And Paul is dead set that if you say anything besides LeBron James for the NBA, then you're a fool. But we might prove him wrong. We'll see. And then of the whoa, players whoa, chosen hold up, hold up. for each sport, what is Did wrong? you not just what? say we were doing second best? In- you can do second best, absolutely. I might think that there's someone worthy of number one. And of the players chosen for each sport. (laughs) In show prep, you literally said. I want to do verbatim. I want to make sure Sure, we can debate number twos. After all your bitching about it, I said, sure, you can debate number twos. No, you said we. (laughs) The word you used was we. We'll I, yeah, I thought we were. I thought we were debating bridesmaids. You can. We can debate number twos. It's fine. Okay. So we're kicking it off with basketball. So Paul, who is your best team from 2010 to 2019, and why? So this is the easiest one of all because this is, to me, arguably, arguably, the greatest team compiled in any sport because it's just absurd and it's an aligning of stars and very bad rules that this team existed. It's the Warriors coming off 73-9 and and adding Kevin Durant. Like, there's no... And I, th- I want to say it was 2017, right? Yep. Ryan, help me. Yep, 17. It was 20... Yeah, 2016-17 here, yeah. Yeah, but did, did they win 73 games with him? No. No, no, no. no. He's talking about the Without year, the year him, after that. They, they won- added, okay. and I don't want to do spoilers for later. So then you're, later, saying the next, they, you're saying the next year was their the most... The next year, yes. Okay. The year that they added 
one of the premier players in basketball. Uh, I'll say top three to not spoil anything. To the team that set a million records. And then, I believe, swept the playoffs? No, they, uh... Almost. They went five, no yeah, one they swept went five the playoffs games yet. against the, um... Five against the Cavs? Yeah. Yeah, gentlemen sweep against the Cavs, because game four... They swept the Cavs them the following. Yep. Yes. I mean, it's... It's stupid. Like, I... No one can touch them. No one ever will touch them. I, they would sweep the Bulls and win by 25 a game. Like, <laughs> it's... I, I'm not even joking. Like, you laugh. I'm not joking. It wouldn't be... It would be embarrassing. They would win by as much as they want to win every night in a sweep. Like, there's just not a lot to talk about. You had this stupid good team that had great coaching, great depth, a great mix of star power and role players, and a very cohesive unit... And then you added a guy better than all of those players that was a complete two-way player. He's seven feet tall. He can also shoot from all over the court. And he also fits into that team dynamic. Like, it's it's just like you're creating rosters in 2K. It's stupid. It shouldn't happen in real life. The NBA is fundamentally broken. But that's your team. Yeah, um, same answer. I don't know if we're sticking with like the, the Grizzly part of it, but that's Grizzly for me, same. I think they're the best team ever. And the most important thing about the, the 17 Warriors team is with them being a cohesive unit, it's also like Kevin Durant still enjoyed playing basketball with the Warriors. And by now, who is it? Draymond, Steve Kerr, and Kevin Durant have all come out and said like, Next year was way different because the offseason people didn't give uh, KD the props that he thought they should. So in 18, though, they won the title. He was just, like, not happy with uh, with the team or, you know, kind of what, what he felt his role was. And he became a, just a little bit of a worse teammate. But in 17, when everything was still, you know, it was all roses and sunshine and it was brand new, there was nobody that was going to beat that team. And even they won, like, I think 67 regular season games. So it's not like they had some insane drop-off from 73 wins. And that, was, and that was just chilling. I mean, they could have won pretty much as many as they wanted. And you got to remember, too, this is KD chasing his first title. KD had not won an NBA title. Well, I mean, that's he's, so he's hungry. I mean, for the reasons you stated, I, I think that it's grisly. Um, I think you're overstating the case about the Bulls dynasty a little bit. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think you're overstating it a little bit. I have a different team for this answer, but when it's my turn, I'll share. Uh, it's Grizzly for me, and I will give more on it when it's my turn. No, I mean, it's it's pretty odd. Like, Steph and KD were, uh, you know, two of the best three players in the NBA at the time. And, again, I think the most important thing is just Kevin Durant loved being on that team that season, which is why even in the next year when they won the title, it wasn't like the team wasn't as good. And then um, in 19, when, you know, they probably should have won, but they got all got injured. Like, KD knew he wasn't coming back. But that one season where he really, really loved playing basketball with the Warriors, that's the best team ever. So definitely the best team of the 2010s. It's very difficult for me to argue against the team, but my team was the 13-14 uh, Spurs because at that time they won 62, which is around the same amount of wins that this Kevin Durant Golden State team won, though not assembled with as much talent as they had, uh, as Golden State had. 
Um, and then if you look at what they did with the roster, they had Parker, Ginobili, uh, Boris Diaw, Tim Duncan, all those guys. Um, for them to go and take on the big three in the finals and get take a gentleman sweep to them, uh, I thought to prove pretty uh, pretty dominant. This is one of the teams that I looked at, AJ, You know, and that gentleman sweep of the Heat team that got lucky against them the year before. Uh, Ray Allen saving LeBron's legacy altogether. Um, uh, it definitely, it definitely made <laughs> so sense. Uh, it was the you know early emergence of Kawhi Leonard yeah. uh, becoming the superstar that he has become. Um, the end of Tim Duncan's reign, basically, with the Spurs as well. And you still had life left in the legs of Manu and Tony Parker. It was a damn good team, uh, and it was an impressive finals victory over the Heat, for sure. Uh, just, I thought they were second or third fiddle to the team that uh, we've already been talking about before. Right. I appreciate your attempt, AJ, but I am a good God-fearing man, so I cannot award points for playing devil's advocate. Absolutely cuddly. It's cuddly because they're not as good as those Warriors teams, but I, I love that team a lot. I mean, even the guys that you didn't mention, Danny Green, um, Kawhi Leonard, who I think got mentioned by uh, by Matt, uh, Bor- Boris Diaw, who you did mention, played uh, like amazing in that final series, and he was really important to that team, which is funny because he was never able to really like kind of stick anywhere, and he was old at the time too, but he was just so good with that team. Obviously, they have Greg Popovich, and at the time, I don't know if the Warriors ended up breaking this record when they beat the Cavs. Um, in 2018, but I know at the time it was like the widest margin of victory in a, in a five games or just in a final series ever. Like they beat the the hell out of the heat. I have a side note. I just have to ask real quick. Ryan, I've been thinking about this for a while. So I, I'd say it's like 55-45 they finished this NBA season. Not saying it's going to happen. But the Lakers win the title this year, are we still going to have to hear about how all of LeBron's titles have big asterisks next to them because of the way this year went down? No, I don't. Why would I don't think? Why would his other championships have asterisks? So Sorry, the Ryan. the other ones are plays, right? Is Kyrie hitting the shot in Game Seven, and then is Ray Allen hitting the three? Ray the Allen. Well, no, that series. So that series, it's the Draymond suspension that people cry about. Well, it's the Draymond suspension and it's the Kyrie shot. The asterisks, the Heat ones don't count because of the big three, the Eagles. Like, people just discount them. The Kyrie hit the big shot, and then Draymond suspension. Like, it's just nonsense. No, because I think um, in... If by nonsense you mean facts. In the one yeah, but, where... But I think it I, I was think the first in, one, in, LeBron one. Um, I think that was the, the day the NBA started on Christmas, right? Because they were going through the CBA. But no, I don't. I don't see how this would add an asterisk like this specifically. Just the season being yeah, delayed. I, now something again happened in the finals, um, where like I don't know, Giannis broke his leg or something. I just like I, I think about that, but like other than was it '98 when Jordan hit the game-winning shot over Russell? Yeah. Um, yes. Like how many other game-winning shots did he? Hit throughout his six championships, like to win uh, he the didn't championship. Have to hit that. I mean, the, 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 no, that's what I'm uh, saying. John, 
right? John Paxson hit one, Steve Kerr hit one. Okay, so there's your Ray Allen and there's your Kyrie Irving. So why are there asterisks next to these other guys? You know what I'm saying? People hate LeBron. That's why. I, I understand, that's but that's it. why I'm trying to like come LeBron to that defense. So like, like it, it's asinine to make it's 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 the same thing as like Paul hating Mike Trout so the, for how good he is. Is people hating LeBron James for how the good only he is. other thing like to that is if those shots don't lose, LeBron or if those shots don't go in, LeBron loses the series. Whereas if the Steve Kerr or Paxson shots go in, the I'm like there's at least still another game. That's fair. Right. That's fair. I still think it's akin, though, but we can move on. All right, so obviously I'm in agreement with Ryan and Paul. Uh, these 2016-17 Warriors who went 65-17 and 17 while KD missed 20 games that season. And this team still became one of only 13 teams to win 65-plus games in a season. They were fourth all-time in point differential and a 13.5-point differential in the playoffs. They swept Portland, swept Utah, swept San Antonio. Now, we all know what happened against San Antonio, and for those that forget, uh, Kawhi Leonard got taken out in the first game by Zaza Pachulia's big-ass foot (laughs) landing a little too close to the the landing zone of Kawhi. And, yes, San Antonio did have momentum and was in in the lead in that game uh, before that all went down. But you have a team that went on to gentlemen sweep Cleveland, a very good Cleveland team, both Curry and Durant averaging over 25, averaging over 28 in the playoffs, and Clay coming along for 22. Not as good of a playoff series for Clay. Didn't take that many shots, though, either. Uh, This team was just ridiculous. Talented, great on defense. What? He no, he averaged like 13 points a game in the finals or in the playoffs. That's not the only I know. Thing you do on a basketball I court. understand that he is one of their best defenders. I know this. Why are you disrespectful? Because <laughs> the man is one of the greatest shooters we've seen, and he didn't shoot that well in the series. I, I, no, no, I'm not a big Draymond. That's all Green I'm saying. Fan, but when Draymond Green is your fourth best player, you have a pretty good basketball team. Agreed. All right, moving on to baseball. So, Paul, give us your reasons for why the cheating team is the best team of the decade. <laughs> why are you like this, man? It's, oh, God. It's- Trash can Astros coming up. Yeah, but the years they cheated or just proved they cheated, they actually won. Yeah, they were really good that year. Wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> Better throw a so, big thank you out to Waste Management. <laughs> so I believe it's the 2018 Astros. The one that's no. middle, right? 17. 17. 17. Yeah, 18 was the Red Sox. So 18, I think 18 is the one that they actually had a better team. That's why I asked you. They got out-cheated by the Red Sox. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, they're, just, they're just wicked smarter in Boston, man. That's exactly what happened in that ALCS. I hate it so much. I hate, it. I hate you all. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're lobbing these softballs up there. Boston, expect Boston us not was to hit super, them. super good that year, at least. Um, no, uh, no, legitimately, 2018 to me, the 2018 Houston team that did not win the title, they lost to Boston. So baseball is a wonky sport. 
and uh, people, and they've done statistics on this as far as how much luck plays a role in teams winning in sports, and they've, the actual consensus is that it's hockey, like puck luck is the biggest uh, non-controlled thing in any sport that leads to wins. But the thing about baseball, it's not that it's luck, it's more that it's stars aligning. It's streaks, it is timely hitting, it is just, you could have a collection of the best players in the world, but if three of them don't get hits in a row, you're not going to score. If one pitcher has an off day, it can derail everything. Baseball is a very weird sport, and baseball to me is the sport where in a seven-game series of all the sports, it's the least likely sport that the best team is going to win the series. So that's where I I don't discount titles, um, but God knows being a fan of the Tigers might have a little bit of bias in the way I look at it, because I think there was a handful (laughs) of years where the best team in baseball never got it done. But Houston in 2018 had such an insane collection of legitimately flawless talent. One through nine in the lineup, their starting rotation, their relievers. There was not a hole, a legitimate hole. There there was no spot on their roster where you look at and you're like, eh, I think they're a little bit vulnerable there. If we can get to this guy or if we can pitch around that guy so we can get to that guy. That doesn't exist with this team. And you talk about their record-setting war across the board. I, I mean, they had just everything. And they they won the title the year before and then fell short in the World Series in 2018. But if we're talking just a team, just a dominant, talented team, and I don't have how many games they won in front of me. It was over 100, I promise you. This team was absurd. I mean, this was just a who's who. Every single player on their roster had an argument for the All-Star game. I mean, this was a legitimate All-Star team. And it was young guys in, in, in the twilight, the, the, just the beginning of a great career. It was breakout stars. It was guys in the end of their career, like Verlander, like from experience to raw talent, this team was absurd. And I know Ryan's going to cuddle you, and I wouldn't be surprised if AJ cuddles it because they didn't win the title, but I have never, certainly in my lifetime, seen a better baseball team. You're saying the 2018 Astros, right? 2018, And it's yes. cuddly because in, the team in who beat them is their better. two worlds. Yes, because the best team absolutely always wins. Well, I mean, they have more wins, too. Lost three, lost three grand, three games all postseason. They were hot. The entire year. They played in different divisions. You can't equate wins to the better team in the regular season. I mean, it's third most wins ever. They play a completely different schedule. Well, what happened when they played each other? Anyway, Cudley. Most wins ever. Still in touch, Houston, and war. Well, well, yeah, you won the war. I don't know where you're series. getting that team. I don't know where you're getting that team war concept from. You've never seen team war? Or the the record war? Like what show? It's in baseball reference. I've never seen it used for a, a, an overall team. It's a. It's, I, and I'm not saying I, I, I'm looking it's right war. now. War wins it, above Red Sox. I'm not to zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. 
No, they had one. They had one win over the Red Sox. Yeah, they had one. But so for me, this is cuddly. Um, given a couple of things, one postseason they went four and four. Okay, early exit didn't make the World Series. Okay, that sample size. Well, you don't get a big sample size if you get knocked out early. <laughs> I mean, literally, literally, you have the possibility of what five, seven, seven. That's nineteen games, and they went four and four and eight of them. So then, then you come back to the fact that you know throughout this seventeen, eighteen, nineteen stretch, and maybe even earlier. Who knows? It comes out that there was like the whole scandal, and then they lose to the team that was also found to be cheating in the same year that won the World Series. Like, I'm not arguing that Houston was not a good team. They had 103 wins that year. Um, I just think that there was there were teams that were more dominant, proven by the fact that they lost in the ALCS. I mean. You're talking about a team in the Red Sox in 2018 that had 108 wins uh, and won the World Series over the Dodgers that year, um, who, if my computer loads, I'll tell you how many wins they had. Um, They had 92 wins, so less than the Astros, but still the best team in the NL. So I, like, I get what you're saying, and I'm still looking for this team war stat. I do not see it anywhere but i am going to continue to just just literally mlb team war that's what i am right and then look at list of world series champions (laughs) so yeah you can sort teams by a million stats by year and then by literally like any set you can think of you can sort every team in baseball and i just want to correct something you're wrong about their team war being record setting. Who's at the record? The 1927 New York. I, I really wish you would have said 2018 Boston Red Sox. I, the, 2007, the 2017 Cleveland Indians are higher than them. The 2016 Chicago Cubs are higher I, than I'm them. I'm sorry. I, I actually misspoke. It was a 2019. They're still not even on this list. <laughs> it's like they're even lower than uh, the 19. The 18. <laughs> oh, yeah, fuck this. I want to check because I think. I think. I. I. Liar! The 2000, the the 90s, the 27 Yankees barely edged them. But you're talking 1927, dude. Like we can compare from goddamn 1920. And yes, I know that WAR is supposed to be the equalizer, but you can't. But it doesn't count if you use an old team. (laughs) We're talking a century difference. It's not even close to the same game. But you're talking about the 1927 Yankees, who other than the can, can we can I say live ball era? Which was the 1927 Yankees? <laughs> yeah, dead ball era ended before that. It's like the dead ball, well, the dead ended, ball era. It's this. like 1912, dude. It, Stop talking about baseball. The 19 the, the dead ball era ended like when Babe Ruth came around. Like it it was from 1871 to like 1915 ish. The 1927 Yankees murderers row, even though they don't have the highest total number of wins in a season 
which the 1906 Cubs and the uh, 1999, I think, or 2000 Seattle Mariners had 116 wins. AJ, real like, quick, real quick, just I just want to make a point. Who was your best team ever? You you said, did you say the 99 Yankees? No. Who's your best baseball team ever? I think, I, I think it... No, AJ wasn't part of that discussion. That was in the other chat. Yeah, I wasn't part of that discussion. Sorry, but AJ. if you're asking, if you're asking me to shoot right off the hip, I have uh, a couple of answers to you. Uh, the 1927 Yankees, I think, uh, head and shoulders for the Give amount me of talent. Two. I don't care about 27. Uh, the 1906 Chicago Cubs. 116 wins. Not that. He want AJ. Just do him a favor and give him a modern team that you think deserves to be in the conversation. Sixteen Cubs. Uh, Did you say nineteen sixteen? No, nineteen oh six. It's 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 fine. I'll 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 do nineteen oh six. You said the 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 um the Cubs. The Cubs, right? Yeah. Yes. Nineteen oh six Cubs, and I still can't find this war stat. (laughs) It was was Dylan and I that said the ninety nine Yankees. Fifty six point six team war. Not bad. It's pretty good, right? The 1906 Cubs team. Houston, 67. Where are you? Will you please link that in Discord so I can go to it? Because I I literally typed in what you said and I am not seeing the numbers that Paul just made. Yeah. Like 67. Please put it put it in Discord right now so I can see what you're looking at. Oh, Discord. All right, Discord. All right. Because like I found something on Reddit that disproves you. I. Team position performance. What? I was just looking at that. That is not what we're talking about. You're talking about all... See what you're saying, yeah. They, had, yeah, but the 2018 Houston. I meant, had, I meant 19. I meant 19. I misspoke. I lost. Okay. I wish they would show this all the time because right. that would be fantastic. So yeah, I, I do too, but I'm pretty sure they're second all time. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're already. second. I'm pretty sure they're second all time to the 27 Yankees. The 27 Yankees just edged them out with 68.8. But even or oh, 68.4, you said you sorry. said 2019, right? Because I was looking at 18. Yes, 2019 is what I meant. Yeah, 68.4. They, they got better every year. But and I think 2019 is when they got Osuna, or when he actually was able to play for them. Did he play for them much at all in 18, if at all? No. I don't think so. No. He wasn't on... When did they trade for Osuna? They're only like two above the Red Sox. And he had that huge suspension. Look at the Tigers. <laughs> number 28. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. I it was it was probably eighteen. Okay, I see what you're saying. Position performance. Yeah, I. It's still cuddly for me. One because you couldn't even figure out which team you were talking about, but two because, like, yeah, the nineteen team was good, but again. You don't have a championship ring to show for. You lost. You lost every home game in the World Series to a very, very less than. I'm not judging less the team on than, a minuscule sample size. I'm judging them on the historical results that they put out. What? That they are the second best. I mean, that's not even record setting, like you said. 
So again, still cuddly because they're not like. <coughs> and that's if you like choose to use war as your sole statistic, which I like war. I'm not well, saying that I, it's. A, I, I I'm not saying it's a bad statistic. There's not a good way to go like teams like to judge teams outside of just counting wins and losses which is stupid there's not a great way to judge individual team performance but see but see even to say that judging wins and losses is stupid like it's not it's very elementary i will grant you that and it's not a different schedule in the when they play the teams is different there's so many factors that go into I, I mean, you might play. So then, so then, the av- so then, batting average and on base per. Got their two bottom pitchers, like. Yeah, but so then, batting average and walks and all that should on base percentage shouldn't count because you see a different sequence of pitches than the other guy before you. Like, if 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 you continue to like fray Damn. stats in that way, then nothing is ever going to be sustainable. But you have to add as much context as possible. Sure, but on and a very Mar base level. Batting average against curveballs on Tuesday. We. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, the wind wasn't blowing east to west, so we can't count this game. I just, I, I am going to stick. Go ahead, Matt. I, we've talked about this too long. Go ahead. Is it Cuddly so or is it Grizzly? The 18 or the 19? I think we're talking about 19. Who knows? Wait, neither was, yeah, neither, neither of them I was excited to talk so. about. Neither of them won. Neither of them were the best team of all time in record setting in wire or whatever, however Paul's saying Wait. it. So Second to the 27 Yankees, who I do not care about anything before anything of that Right, era. because so because the- Paul is of the belief, and I and I can't I haven't can't believe I haven't said this yet, but you know newer is always better. That's not true at all. My favorite player <laughs> of all time in baseball is Ty Cobb. So mm-hmm. stop. <laughs> but but he doesn't count because he's before 1950. So I'm just saying you can't adequately compare them. No, Paul is generally of the you know recency biased. He, he when it comes is to talking like, about teams, and, and you are. And and Paul, like I, I think you are very wise for your age, and I think that you are very like 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 I'm, I'm serious. Like I would I would when we have when we have met, I would never thought that you were 25 years old. Like that's how like brilliant I think you are, and I think that Never you're. Never thought you were Puerto Rican. Either. Like, <laughs> true, and very mature. But like, I think the recency bias kind of shows a little bit of. Like, See, I don't think I have it in baseball because I think baseball is so technical. It's the you, one sport that kind of is immune to it. So then, why does the 1927 Yankees not count yeah. for you? It's well, not, you see, they're old. <laughs> so saying it doesn't count. It, but you it's said in that. in the context of... Because if they played right now, they lose. Well, yeah, they're all dead. It is impossible for me to, in any way, even with war, which is the closest thing that we can come to it, but even with it, it's really impossible just because the game is so vastly different. And it's not because I think... So it's different than football, where I think modern athletes are just so leaps and, leaps and bounds better than the athletes from the 50s that you right. can't compare them. That's, like, football, I'll claim all the recency bias in the world. I think you take today's team against any team 30 plus years ago and they would mop the floor with them. Right. That, for sure. Baseball's different. But don't forget, this question was not the best team of all time. It was the best team of the decade. No, I, I agree. I agree. And if you want to go to the decade, they laughed at the field in performance. Except not winning at all. Except not winning at all. And yeah, sure. But like, the the... 
which year are we talking about again? 18, 19? 19. 19. This, this last year, that loss to the Nationals. Yeah, so they won 103 games in 18, and they won 107 games in 19. Okay. So, like, if we're using that base statistic, which I know doesn't have enough context for some people, but, yeah, okay, they won 107 games, which is four more than the team that I'm going to put out there, but I still don't think that they're... I still would say cuddly. So I was excited to talk about this when I thought it was 18 because I've never been more stunned <laughs> than watching the Astros losing four games, uh, uh, or five games, whatever, to uh, the Boston World Red Sox over in the ALCS. Other issues. issues with the garbage can not functioning right. Like, oh, so you, would, you admit good. to their cheating. But I, I was really I excited to see that team cheat. go back against the Dodgers. I said I didn't care that, did that they happen. cheated. It was very different. Very different. Um, I will cuddle this one just on, just based off of the World Series alone where they just did not show up. Not enough. Not right. Nearly enough. On and a let, miniature game sample size, it's fine. When everything is on the line, yes, you damn right. I don't care how small the sample size is. Everything is on the line. You have a chance to legit to be legitimately one of the greatest three-year accomplishments in baseball history. 100-plus wins every single year and two out of three World Series. And they blew it, falling to a very pedestrian, very Easy. pedestrian Washington hey. Nationals team. Doesn't, does yeah. that not tell you how much of a fluke random occurrence that it is? It doesn't matter. That's what no, because is. it was that's seven matter. games. So it was literally the max so sample frustrating. size. Houston was so leaps and bounds better than everybody else in two But not in those Except seven for when games. it counted. Not when it counted. Except for when it counted. Uh, mine for this, I don't think it's AJ's answer either. I think it's better than Paul's answer, though. It, of course, is the 2018 Boston Red Sox between the World Series, or between, um, obviously they won the World Series between the postseason and between the regular season. 119 wins, which is the third highest total ever all time, and they only lost three games okay. in the postseason. So we talked about the dominant postseason that like the Warriors had in basketball, where they had one loss. The Red Sox only lost three times. And they played, obviously, some pretty good teams. They did play that 2018 Houston Astros team and wiped them out in five games after losing the first game. And they beat them four times in a row. And then they went on to smash the Dodgers in the World Series as well. Uh, they had Mookie Betts, who's MVP. J.D. Martinez, shout out, Detroit Tigers. Uh, you know, just one of my favorite players in general. But, I don't know. That, that team was really, really good. <laughs> And I, I'm sure they had the most wins in the regular season that year, too, with the 108. No, they did. Yeah, they, they definitely did. did. And, okay, Paul, you, I go next, yeah. right? Yeah, so you, okay. it's you, AJ, then me, then Paul. So this is still cuddly for me, but but more grizzly than Paul's take. Um, and the reason being that it's grizzly for me, or cuddly for me, is... What has come out recently about the connection to the cheating scandal? Um, so I wonder, like, how big of an influence that played on that season. I will agree that that was a very dominant team. 108 wins does prove that, and they did have a very stacked lineup going through um, their order. I just, you know, when it comes to the Boston Red Sox and these, like, the cheating scandal and and. And I love the park that they play in, but the park that they play in is is goofy in and of itself. Like, I, they had a very good team, just still really cuddly for me. More grizzly than Paul's <laughs> take, though. 
Uh, it's grisly based on the fact that, you know, how dominant they were in the postseason. You're taking down your most hated rivals in the Yankees, and that's no easy feat, even with the Yankees still not being the Yankees, you know, that most most years, you know, people know them for being. But this is a team that you hate more than any other team in sports, uh, bar none, and it's not easy taking out your rival, and they dispatch them easily. Then you dispatch the defending champs, one of the best teams we've seen in a very, very long time. And then taking out the most dominant team in the NL over the last so many years, and in, you know, ridiculous fashion a gentleman sweep there as well uh so for that reason it's cuddly i just don't think they would beat the team that i have in mind uh, if they went head to head uh for the best team of the decade uh not even the best team that season cuddly oh my gosh okay so mine is um obviously different than the other two uh, this was a team that I believe was from kind of day one of this season. You almost had the feeling that it was theirs to lose the entire year. Um, the 2016 Chicago Cubs coming in with a very young and talented roster. Um, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. John Lester, Kyle Hendricks, Jake Arrieta, one of the most dominant pitchers at that time in the game. Um, Addison Russell, Ben Zobrist, Javi Baez, very exciting player. This team won 103 games, which is top eight all time. Um, You know, in the postseason, they did kind of get taken to the brink uh, in the World Series for sure. But 3-1 over the Giants, 4-2 over a very good Dodgers team at that time. Faced up with the Cleveland Indians, and I think most importantly, broke a curse that had lasted for 108 years. Um, just kind of a team of destiny, and I think that when you talk about team of destiny in that sense, uh, it just creates a sense of dominance. They just seem to be on top of the world from day one in 2016. This is an interesting team because you looked at this World Series when it happened, and you were like, well, the Indians have a chance early but they were just you just figured they were going to be completely outpitched mm-hmm. in this series by who the Cubs had uh, in their bullpen you know and through the starting rotation right. and the fact that the Indians were able to take what a 3-1 lead when they took down John Lackey in game four which you know basically shocked everybody it's like well shit maybe the Indians do have a chance in this one um, but then you go up against John Lester Jake Arrieta uh, and and trying to you know figure things out at the end there in a phenomenal game seven uh, where Aldis Chapman you know did yeoman's work there to get that victory for the Cubs. Uh, it was a very entertaining team. Uh, the fact that they had to battle as much as they did to get this championship is where I have a hard time giving it a Grizzly. Um, you know, yes, sometimes you have to work a little harder than you would think you would if you're a great team, but. Uh, following up that with the fact that they haven't even really sniffed this greatness since uh it's hard for me to give this a grizzly on this one but we're not talking uh, franchise how hard they had i know i know but even with that one year they had to battle really really hard after winning 103 games to uh you know to, to come back and seal this championship against an indian team that i thought deserved to win it with the way they played and should have been cleveland's real first championship in 50 something years <laughs> I will give you that this was clearly the best team of the season they played. So that's, I mean, progress, I guess. 
from Ryan's answer, uh, they don't hold a candle to any of the three Astros teams the last three years. Literally, well, nobody does when they're banging on trash cans. So, I mean, we saw how quickly it fell apart. I don't know how you can say they're the best team of the decade when they, pretty much overnight, decided they weren't that good anymore, even with arguably the best manager in baseball. Um, no, I, I not even close to Cuddly. It's, it's Cuddly because obviously my answer was different. Um, but I, I did like this team, and I think Matt said it. It's one of the teams that I did look at, and one of the reasons that you know I considered giving them the nod is kind of what Paul um, just said about Joe Madden, is when you have teams like these that are so great, you know, you're talking about the best teams of a certain decade, so they're all going to be you know supremely talented. Is uh, you know the uh, the manager for you can be a, a pretty big edge, and they probably have the best manager in out of all of these teams. What I like about this baseball argument is the fact that all four of us have four different teams to throw into the mix. <clears throat> and as much crap as I give, uh, jokingly give Paul for the whole cheating ass aspect of everything, my team is the 2017 Houston Astros, <laughs> who won 100-plus games, had four different players hitting over 300, three more over 280, adding Verlander, who went 5-0 and in his time in Houston with a 1.06 ERA, a .647 whip, to a rotation of Dallas Keuchel, who went 14 and 5 with a 2.9 ERA? Brad Peacock, who went 13 and 2 with a 3 ERA, and Charlie Morton, who went 14 and 7 with a 3.62 ERA, beat a great Dodgers team that won 104 games that year in what has still been the best World Series I've ever seen, except for Game Seven. <laughs> but the first six games, the best World Series I had I have ever seen. That 2017 Houston Astros before everything else that came out, that was the best team of the decade in my mind. I, I hate that you're going to make me do this. I, I hate it. And this is where, and it's really in life, but sports is where it makes me the most upset. Because in life, I just expect that everybody's an idiot. In sports, I hope the fans, because of how much they care, would take the effort to see below the surface, but they don't. I mean, and I can't expect fans to because analysts don't, broadcasters don't, nobody does. But it's this notion that the results are all that matters. It doesn't matter how you got there, what could have happened, what should have happened, the context that it happens, the results are what matters. There is a great argument that Cleveland was much, much better than Houston in 2017. A great argument for it. And numbers wise and looking at how the teams performed through the season and to sit there and call the 2017 Houston team the best of the decade when they were very clearly not as good as the 2018 or 2019 team it's not that it's dishonest it's just no effort it's not actually digging into who was on the roster what they accomplished and what besides okay they won the title so they must have been the best team. It's not that simple. The best team does not win the title every year. I would argue in more years than not the best team doesn't win the title. This team in 2017 was just scratching the surface of their ability when they won, went on their run and won the title, won 101 games and then went and won the title. They were just getting to how great they would become. There was, you could, not Cleveland, much better than them in 2017. 
you could argue that the Yankees were better than them. You mentioned the Dodgers. The Dodgers were more stars and scrubs. They had uh, some clear deficiencies, but they were also an exceptionally good team. Even the Washington Nationals that year were really right there with them, but uh, we know until last year how their playoff history's gone. They won the title. Congratulations. Good for them. But as far as a team top to bottom, they were not nearly as good as their counter, their, their own team the following year or the year after that. So it's absolutely cuddly. Um, again, cuddly because I didn't, uh, it's not the same answer that I had. But I really don't remember uh, a whole lot about the 17 Astros team other than Verlander, obviously, going there. You know, midseason trade deadline. When, uh, whenever, I think it was right at the trade deadline, right? Like the day of, he got, uh, he got shipped out. It was like literally 11.58. Yep. On the waiver tra- trade deadline. So it wasn't July 31st, it was August 31st, or whatever the last day of August is. It was like 11.58 that right. night. Um, but they were third, third in their, their team war that year. Now I don't know, like, how much... Verlander going there in midseason affects that. Um, you know, if they like started off slow and then he went and then it was like, oh, you know, we're hitting on all cylinders now. But I'll say Cudley. I don't remember too much about him, but I don't think they were better than the the next year Boston team. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go Cudley with that too. I, I like the 17 Astros, but again, I go or not go, but I. I I think that what has come out about them recently really clouds kind of what they did. Um, and I know that that's not a very popular opinion. Um, but that 17 team was directly affected by this cheating scandal. And that's the year they're specifically looking at. Uh, was that team good? Yeah, they were good. But, you know, with assistance, you can make anything look better. So, uh, I'll go Cudley just specifically for that reason. I, I like Paul's argument as well that there are probably at least two other teams that were probably better than them that year. Um, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right, moving on to hockey. Uh, it's a shame that Dylan is not here for this. Um, the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks. Son of a gun, man. Is that yours? <laughs> Yeah, I, I just had a cross-reference here because I knew I wasn't sure if it was 09 or it was 09-10, right? Or 10. I wasn't sure which one they actually hoisted the cup in. Um, so it's 2009-2010 team. Um, 2010 when they actually won the cup. It's crazy to me that this team did not win a lot more afterwards because the amount of ridiculously young talent that they have. I mean, everyone knows Patrick Kane and Jonathan Toes. But top to bottom, this Taves, Taves, Jonathan Taves. No, no, I will never. No, you can't spell your name like that. I don't care. You, I'm not gonna pronounce it right. I don't. You don't get to spell it like that and then say Taves. No, I don't care where you're from. This is America. Your name is Toes. Um, the amount of young talent that they had, literally the bulk of three awesome lines, their top three lines was 28 or younger. It's insane. They just had an embarrassment of riches. And even in goal, which we know how important goalies are, uh, Miami had a phenomenal season that year. He He wasn't even their starting goalie. He was, he was, well, he was and he wasn't. Did him and Crawford split time? 
I'm sorry, say that again? Did him and Crawford split time? Because I thought Crawford was their main goalie that year. No, that no. He started it was, 22 Yeah, because it wasn't, it wasn't Crawford. Started... Crawford was on the team, but Niemi split it with Cristobal Hewitt. Okay. All right. Yeah, but along the but along the way, Niemi split it with Cristobal Hewitt. So he started the other 22 games in the playoffs, and this is he had a 91% save percentage in the playoffs. Fantastic, fantastic. He had performed phenomenally. 1.3 goals against in the playoffs. And just awesome. Now, to be fair, he had a pretty awesome defense in front of him. But no, this is just a team that top to bottom was exceptional, and they were very young. And they really took the NHL by storm. It really is a shame that they didn't go on to do more. Uh, this one just was a fantastic. I mean, I hate admitting this because um, I pretty much hate everything Chicago. City getting burned to the ground, it would be no loss to anybody. I think a lot of people would cheer. But, and, and it's Dylan's favorite team, which is just even more annoying. But no, in, in 2010, they certainly were absolutely special. Um, shout out to probably one of three exceptional Pittsburgh teams as number two. Um, it's cuddly because I have a different Blackhawks team. Why? I'll get to it. Let him, when he goes, you'll see. I th- one thing I don't know, though, is I don't know why you keep saying, like, they didn't do a whole lot. Like, they won three cups from 2010 to 2015. Yeah. <laughs> like, unless you want them to win, like, all six of them. And- and that's why yeah, that's why I think the Kings won a couple as well. Because I think Crawford was like instrumental in the last two, so that's why I I kind of just did they defaulted. win three cups? Yep. They won 10, yeah. 13, and the fifteen. Blackhawks, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's between it's... you had the Bruins in eleven, the the Kings in twelve, the Kings in fourteen. So I guess I guess where I am with that is a lot of the guys that were instrumental in ten. I mean, obviously Kane, Taves were still there. But a lot of them changed. Like, a, the bulk of their roster that was under 20, you looked and you're like, wow, these three lines are going to dominate the NHL for the next 10 years. And they didn't win again until 13. And by then, there were a lot of new faces. So it's not, yeah, not so much Yeah, you win a bunch, that, you get paid a lot by other teams. It's not so much that Chicago didn't have, although I did only think, I thought they only won two cups. I didn't realize they won three in that six-year span. Um, that is pretty impressive. Um, they were a dynasty. It just wasn't the way I expected it to happen that season. They, right, because I mean, they were spread out. And and that kind of goes to, like, my, like, this is grisly for me because this is a team that I had, and I look at those other teams as well. And the reason why I picked this team is because they won more during the regular season. Um, so that, I, and that might not be the best way to, to view, again, like, I mean, they were also better top to bottom and younger. So, yeah. So, as far as, like, you know, not having to circle back around, this is this was my team as well um, that I was going to speak about just because it almost felt with the Chicago Black Sox – or Black Sox. Oh, my gosh. Blackhawks. Baseball <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it almost felt like with the Chicago Blackhawks at that time, 10, 2010 and 2015 – it almost had the same feeling as the Golden State Warriors over the last few years, where it was just like you knew they were going to be in the playoffs, kind of like the Dodgers too. You knew they were going to be in the playoffs, and there was a really good chance they were going to win the Cup. And, I mean, that that's a sign of a very dominant team. Yeah, it's Grizzly for me as well, and I will explain why more when Michael. So my iteration of the Blackhawks is the 13 Blackhawks. Uh, so they didn't win as many regular season games because they had a lockout shortened season. They only played 48 games. 
um, in in that regular season, but they started off the year okay, uh, scoring or uh, earning a point, scoring a point. I don't know how you say it in hockey, uh, but in 24 consecutive games, and of those 48 games that they played, they only lost seven games in regulation. So they were dominant from start, obviously to finish, beating the Bruins in the playoffs. And then you obviously had the guys like Kane and Taves and this version of uh, Kane and Taves. Since they had already won in 2010, they, they're basically like the championship version of their two, obviously, most, uh, most instrumental players that, um, that they had. And playing with them in, in the video games was always kind of a cheat code. Them and the Kings were uh, amazing to, uh, to play with. Because every time I play with the Red Wings, they got my ass kicked. To me, I'm sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go. To me, it's almost the same team. Like, right? I know it's a few years later, but um, I, because of what I stated and them just kind of knowing, feeling like the Golden State Warriors of the recent past. Like, I'll go Grizzly on that. <laughs> it's Grizzly uh, again, not the one that I chose, but it's Grizzly uh, because of the fact that they beat. Who they beat to win the Stanley Cup was a better opponent than the 29-10 Blackhawks who beat uh, Philadelphia. You beat the Boston Bruins, who were one of the better teams of the decade as well. Uh, And uh, it was a good Stanley Cup final. But that Blackhawks team was very, very good. And there were some key additions made throughout that uh, that team that the 2010 team did not have, uh, notably defensively, uh, to make a big difference. But uh, it's not the team that I had, but it's Grizzly based off of who they beat for the Stanley Cup that year alone. So, I don't agree with it, but I'm going to say Grizzly because there's a legitimate argument. Um, you made your case. It's not terrible. I think the 2010 team would beat them, but I, I will allow it. I'm not going to hate on it. AJ, you up? I, I already gave my mine's the 2009-2010 Chicago Black Sox. God, did it again. <laughs> oh, it's it's incredible. I just want to get you on there saying Black Sox again. It's I, incredible. It's, it's uh, baseball in my mind, man. I'm missing it. But yeah, so, so yeah, just I, I think that they were the team that kind of started the dynasty for them. Uh, it's same for me. This was a team that was on the rise, you know, fell to us uh, the year before in the Western Conference Finals, us being the Detroit Red Wings. Um, and they were third in goals for on the year, fifth in goal to, goals against on the year. Um, did not have the toughest of competition in the Stanley Cup Final. Philadelphia only had 88 points in the season, but they upset some great teams along the way. They upset the Boston Bruins. They upset the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but that Chicago Blackhawks team was... A very good team, a young team, um, very much like our wings were uh, in the 90s. Obviously, that's why they brought Scotty Bowman in in the first place, was to redo what he did in Motown. And uh, that team was just phenomenal. But Ryan's case for the 13 squad uh, cannot be ignored as well. All right, moving on to our fourth and final sport, onto the gridiron, the shield, the NFL. Paul? Um, so this was actually super easy for me. I was not even remotely close. Um, this is now. I don't. 
pretend to know enough about football history, and we've already talked about recency bias, um, but if you made me pick a best team in NFL history, this would be the team. Um, and it's, as it usually is in the NFL, especially in a league built on parity, it's stars aligning that made this team as just absurd and insane as it was. The 2013 Seattle Seahawks had the most insanely complete top-to-bottom team Historically, this defense was in the top 10 by DVOA, including the playoffs and their incredible Super Bowl run. That's their defense. Their offense was still 7th in the NFL. Their special teams was awesome. And yeah, they were led by one of the elite quarterbacks that we've had in the NFL in the last decade in Russ Wilson, the perfect quarterback for them. And while he didn't have to carry them the way some of their quarterbacks do, you talk about a guy who can make every play with his head before it happens on the field and then do it exactly as it needs to be executed on the field. And look at the Super Bowl. Denver comes into this game. Peyton Manning got to Denver. They won all those games in the regular season. He threw for a gazillion touchdowns. And that game was over. Pretty much in the first snap. And we saw probably the most boring Super Bowl I can recall. I I don't remember a Super Bowl this boring in a long time. But that's because start to finish, the Seahawks just absolutely embarrassed Denver and announced themselves as, bar none, the metric in the NFL to which you were going to be measured against for a minute. Uh, this is grizzly for me because it's it's my answer as well. Um, the the defense was just so amazing, and while Russell Wilson isn't wasn't the Russell Wilson that you know we know today, he he still had that some of that Russ magic in him, where and he definitely just wasn't bad. He just wasn't like this elite of a player that we see in you know 2019, 2020, but. He was still obviously more than good enough to win them the, the Super Bowl, and he wasn't going to kill you with mistakes, right? He was still kind of as smart as a quarterback as he's ever been, even if he was still trying to learn the game. Um, and just the way that they played, knowing that their defense was not going to let you score, and they shut out a historic Denver offense in the Super Bowl. Um, and then the way that they played, where they had Russell Wilson, who could do a bit of everything, right? He could move it with his feet. So while he wasn't a running quarterback, like Paul said, you had to respect his ability to run. He did have 500, over 500 rushing yards that year, which isn't a, a great amount, but it's also obviously not terrible for a quarterback. Um, and, you know, he could obviously make plays with his arm, too. And then Paul touched on it. You did have... Uh, you know, you did have beast mode back there as well. So it was a very balanced attack on offense and a defense that was just absolutely smothering. Yeah, I, it's not the team that I chose, <clears throat> um, but I, like, everything you said has now made me rethink my answer, so I'm going to go Grizzly just for that fact. Uh, like, just going with what you said, Paul, top to bottom, and then Ryan kind of reiterating I honestly forgot about this team and what they did to Denver in that Super Bowl. Um, just like that Super Bowl was fun to watch just to see like how bad it was going to get because it wasn't a good like necessarily football game to watch unless you like just love seeing that type of dominance, which I didn't mind having a football background. But it, I, yeah, it, it's a grizzly take and you 
now are going to make me feel embarrassed for sharing my answer. No, it is absolutely cuddly. The oh, Seahawks needed the refs to beat the Niners in the NFC Championship game. The Niners were the better team in that game and got absolutely screwed. Meanwhile, Tom Brady is dealing with an injured-as-all-hell AFC Championship game where he didn't have Gronk, had a better team if his team was healthy going up against that Peyton-led Broncos team, and the Niners would have done the exact same thing to the Broncos in the Super Bowl had the Niners gotten where they deserved to be in the first place, which was the the Super Bowl because they were the better team that was back when Kaepernick hey. was the better quarterback than Russell Wilson and had a better defense in the Legion of Boom at the time and they got absolutely screwed completely cuddly. After everything you just said, I'm not sure if I want to do a podcast with you next week. What is wrong so with some... your brain? Nothing. I remember that game. The Niners got screwed. So some extra... Broken. <laughs> they got hit with defensive penalties that were bullshit, a roughing the kicker that was bullshit. They had that game in hand. Much like your Michigan team against Ohio State that you tout so much in 2016, they got screwed. The Niners got screwed just as bad. Bro. No, go watch that game. Well, neither team you don't had remember. a coach You're that too could finish for the job. Listen, first of all, it is not my fault that they tried Sherman with the sorry-ass receiver. I didn't do that. <coughs> it shouldn't that have come down to that. It didn't need to come down to that. They had that game in hand, and the refs killed them again and again and again. We're going to sit down and watch this game together. Sometime. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Would love to. Man, I will point out winner. everything right there. of how the Niners got screwed. Some some extra yep. defensive stats <laughs> you see for that, right that, there? Uh, That's for that Seahawks team. The sad thing that is. year, they were first in points allowed, and they were first in overall defense by yards per game, which would have put them third, respectively, in points for the decade, and then uh, fourth in overall defense. They held 16 of their 19 opponents to 20 points or less, which is just crazy, and opposing quarterbacks managed a combined passer rating of 63.4 in the regular season, which was easily the lowest mark of the decade. And they had a 36-0 lead. I know we talked about the Super Bowl, but a 36-0 lead in the Super Bowl, leaving absolutely no doubt in putting their finishing touches on uh, on their very good season, which, I mean, they won 13 games in the regular season. I mean, the team that I was looking at was the 16 Patriots. 14-2 in the regular season. Um, obviously, you know, kind of go through the playoffs, get to the Super Bowl, another one of those situations where I feel like people just knew they were going to be there, um, go down 28-3 to against the Falcons, and then do what they do to them in the second half. Um, I That was the team that I picked just because it was kind of like the culmination of everything that they've done. So that's where I was going to go, but based on your arguments, my arguments suck. So I'm going to stop there. It's it's half and half, AJ. It's the right team. It's the wrong year. Okay. Well, that's that's not how that works at all. But continue. <laughs> okay. Honestly, AJ, the only this was a very good team. They were the best team that season. And yeah, they got down. Uh, they got down because of their one flaw, and that was a very mediocre defense. Um, their defense was nothing special. It's pretty wild. Now their schedule isn't the hardest, but it's pretty wild that they won 14 games in the regular season, and they were a pretty darn dominant team. And the comeback in the Super Bowl is one that will they gave us one of the greatest Super Bowls, especially finish-wise. And it's someone that will never be forgotten. 28 to three will be burned in fans' memories for eternity, especially Falcons fans. But their middling defense was the one that really held them back. Their offense was absurd, only, only behind the Falcons that season. Their special teams was super good, a top 10 unit as usual. It was just their mediocre defense that held them back. But lucky for them, 
Atlanta Stevens was close to worse than the league, and it's hard to win a Super Bowl like that. So, but it, it wasn't a, a terrible thing to say. It'd be nice, cuddly though. No, I'm not gonna patronize you, AJ. Um, because you don't want to talk about it, and neither do I. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't. Like, after hearing that Seahawks answer, I was like, yeah, let's just move on. Because... So that same wonderful Seahawks team that didn't deserve to win the championship in the first place the year before <laughs> was back to defend their title the very next year against the team that should have been up there the year before if Tom Brady had a healthy offense, which he didn't the year before because Gronk was hurt, Edelman was hurt, people were hurt throughout the whole year, and the Patriots weren't where they were supposed to be. But the very next year, that same team came back healthy. And that very next year, where was Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos? Oh yeah, they didn't even make it to the AFC Championship game. Those same Patriots made it all the way back, taking down an upset-minded Baltimore Ravens 35-31 in the divisional round, steamrolling the Colts in what is known as the Deflategate game in the AFC Championship game, and then got the better of the defending champion Seahawks 28-24 where the Seahawks needed a ridiculous play to even keep it that close and get to the goal line in the first place because Tom Brady is just that damn good and that Patriots team offensively and defensively was just that damn good in the second half and that Patriots team beat that Seahawks team the same team essentially that went the year before and decimated Peyton Manning and the Broncos that Seahawks team which didn't deserve to be there albeit for the refs to help them get past the Niners the Patriots did what the NFL refs should have done and given the Seahawks an L for the 2015 Yep. So cuddly, man. And I and so take this, know that for the last decade, plus more than a decade, twenty years, I mean, the Pats have been my second team. And they've had a, some of my favorite players ever from Gronk to Brady. They were not the, the I disagree, but statistically, they were not even a top five team in the NFL that year. I don't agree with that. I don't. But that's what happens with regular season and unbalanced schedules in the NFL. But the Seahawks were the better team that year. And New England, through sheer brilliance and coaching and willpower and the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, overcame. And it looked like they hit Brady's defense had blown it once again after he gave them the lead in the closing minutes of a Super Bowl. And then they did come up with the play that they should have after an absurd catch. And it was a fantastic win. It was an incredible Super Bowl. It was an incredible finish. I was ecstatic with how it ended. Um, and really, I mean, there would have been no bad answer in that one. But uh, Seattle had the best offense in the NFL that year. They had a much better defense than... Really? Only scored 24 points in the Super Bowl. Okay. And... Great offense. Wonderful offense. The best of all offense. You sound like Trump. You know that? <laughs> um, it's cuddly for me. They weren't They weren't even my second option. I am surprised that nobody said the, the Chiefs of this recent year. I thought we'd get one of those. I think well, their I defense think held count. them back. Well, personally. so it's 2010 to 19. It's 10 years. I, I think that everybody except for me had a good <laughs> argument. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, like I think you could always choose the Patriots, and that's where we get into that idea of like the franchise of the decade, just because it's so obvious who that is 
for the 2010s, in my opinion. Um, so just for that, I am going to go Grizzly Matt. I still think that they were less dominant than my team, but it is what it is. <clears throat> all right, moving on to player of the decade for each sport. And since apparently we're all in agreement that it's Tom Brady for the NFL, LeBron James for the NBA, Sidney Crosby for the NHL, and Mike Trout for Major League Baseball, we are going to go with who we think the second best player of the decade was for each of these sports, as that will give a better argument for each of these. So, in this case, in the effort of time, because we are already at two freaking hours, don't know how we got to that so quickly. Oh, yeah, that's right. We spent 25 freaking minutes on the Astros. Um... <laughs> Give all four of yours, and we'll go, and we'll be able to just grizzly cuddly with the arguments from there. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Man, all four. I thought I was gonna have time to kind of put. I, I was like one track, like kind of doing this together. So I'm gonna start with the NFL, and I'm gonna get cuddled for this because I'm gonna break the rules. I'm gonna go one offense, one defense, because they're too different to really no. evaluate their impact in the game. And you get you better to say the one you like better first, because I'm cutting off the second one. You can do that. Aaron Gronkowski is my... <laughs> well played. Well I like played. I like it. Perfect. Well done. Well, so, well played. Because we, we already know who, which Aaron you mean. So that's perfect. You do, which is amazing. So yeah, despite yeah, no, not it's, coming it's into the league until 2014... I mean, it, it's it's ballsy to pick Aaron Hernandez, but it's not. <laughs> Despite not coming into the league until... Or, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I baited you. Just because I like the way that sounded. <laughs> no. Aaron Donald didn't come into the league until 2014, so he can't be it. Who can be it is the most transcendent defensive player that I've ever witnessed <laughs> with my eyes. And that should have won an MVP over a trash-ass guy named Aaron. J.J. Uh, Watt. J.J. Watt came into the league as an unheralded dude out of Wisconsin. Hang on, I'm pretty sure Aaron Donald's played more games in the decade than J.J. Watt Stop, with all of his that's injuries. not true. That's not true. That's in, Injuries are the only thing you'll ever be able to argue against J.J. Watt, and that's been a more last handful year thing, more than the the last most, five years. most of the decade. The last half the decade. J.J. <laughs> Watt has... Probably the greatest defensive season of all time. I'm sorry. Let me not even say defensive season. The greatest NFL season by defensive player of all time. Because his contributions were not just on on defense. In 2014, I think it was 2014, but it might have been 30. I'm pretty sure it was 2014. Aaron Rodgers won a fraud MVP for doing absolutely nothing. Just because he takes a lot of sacks, because he holds the ball, because he doesn't feel like throwing interceptions, or he throws them away all the time. So despite the fact that he didn't actually do anything, because he only threw five interceptions over the season, and the NFL hates defense, J.J. Uh, Watt was robbed of being the first defender to win MVP in God knows how long. Despite a season that you would not even do in Madden, you were talking about a defensive lineman that had 78 tackles, okay? Now, tackles, usually not that big of a deal of a stat, but you're talking about a defensive lineman. A lineman, man. This somehow was able to fire on and get 78 tackles. 20 and a half sacks, all right? Second time he broke 20 sacks in a season. He had 10 pass breakups. You are a defensive lineman that gets 10 PBUs. He forced four fumbles. He had an 80-yard pick six. A defensive lineman 
got an interception and returned it 80 yards to the house. He took a fumble 45 yards to the house. And because he wanted to just be like, I am the best player in the NFL, he also caught three touchdowns. Caught three touchdowns on offense because he could. And they were not blowout games where they were just like, let's see if we can feed JJ. No, they were games that matter. Games that all three, they won. And for, just so you know, that's more touchdowns than Larry Fitzgerald had that season. This man had the greatest season by a defender I've ever witnessed, and I can't speak to 40 years ago. He got robbed of MVP, and this was not a one-off. He did this every single year. Multiple 20-sack seasons, almost 100 sacks for the decade would have been 150 if he had played every game so i agree with you that they're very good players and i agree with you that like there is some transcendence that comes but like i know i'm going out of order ryan and i apologize but this is uh cuddly for the sole fact that they do not add the type of value that a quarterback adds it's it's not false i didn't i thought about going to defensive player because like there it seems like there's so many quarterbacks that you can kind of split hairs with um my defensive player would have been aaron donald but like yeah you said he only came into the league in 2014 but to kind of measure that against jj watt jj watt has missed basically two full seasons and he came to the league in 2011 um so he obviously hasn't even played uh that that much more of the decade than Aaron Donald has so shaving you know three years off of the decade as good as JJ Watt has been that's one of the reasons why he was he was cut out from my player yeah I like my players to be able to stay on the field I would have picked Aaron Donald over him same number of all pros because he can stay on the field five out of his last six years his sixth year was the rookie of the year so you take all that all the all pros the uh the Pro Bowl as well of course you right there can't go all pros when he plays a much easier position to be an all pro at because of his ability to rush the passer as a defensive tackle. He's He has a meh. much easier path to being an all pro because in any given year, a defensive end that gets an all pro nod is just going to be the edge rusher that piles up stacks. Meh. It's not about being a complete player. It's completely different. It's it's apples and oranges. I'd take Aaron Donald and Von Miller over J.J. Watt. Von Miller so, can absolutely like cut your dick off, dude. Come on. And I thought we were doing this all all the sports. How do we? How do we? Super I get yelled MVP at for the... not wanting to do all the sports, and now we're breaking. Because you took all the time yeah, on you, one you that would have taken you to say all four. One a time. I'm passionate. <laughs> what do you want from me? No, that's ridiculous. It's important. It's not that important. All right. Well, we'll move on to baseball in the effort of moving this along. So, we discounted Mike Trout out of baseball, and for good reason, because he laps the field unfortunately uh the number two is someone that i'm actually thrilled that the statistical evidence is there because i wanted to pick him but i couldn't just do it without really backing it up and i didn't want to be called a homer i know who it is already i know who it is of course you should know who it is because it's one of two people actually it's justin verlander i knew cabrera doesn't have an argument Cabrera actually doesn't have an argument. It's a shame, but he doesn't. And part of that is he's been hurt way too much. So Justin Verlander... He has an argument, but... Actually has the third most war of any player of the decade. Behind only the aforementioned Michael Trout, 
and Clayton Kershaw. The only reason Justin Verlander does not have more war over the decade than Clayton Kershaw is because of the injury issues that he had. And you're sensing a theme here. I, for whatever reason, love players that get hurt. I I don't know why. But it's just the case. Uh, Kershaw edges him out simply because he did not deal with the injury issues that Verlander did. And Verlander has the much better playoff resume than Clayton Kershaw does. And Justin Verlander literally dominated the decade and did it through injuries, did it in the worst injuries that you could have, the lingering issues, the core muscle surgery that he needed, the abdominal problems that he had, things that just completely sap your ability, and yet he was still, still through all that, able to be third in war of every single MLB player for the decade, despite missing a ton of games and pitching injured in a ton of games. And if you look at what he did over a decade, he came in best pitcher in baseball, one of the best pitching staffs, and a great Tigers team for almost a decade, around a decade of great performance, pennants, division wins, World Series appearances, and he was dominant even having to fight through all those injuries. And then, he didn't get it done. And eventually, Detroit fell off the map. And all he did was get traded to Houston, elevate his game, finally win a World Series, and continue to dominate. Uh, You're talking about a pitcher that's won multiple Cy Youngs. A pitcher that won the MVP. A pitcher that has been in what four World Series in the deck? Four World Series in the decade? Or no? Well, are you gonna cry? Because it sounds like you're gonna cry. Because you're just continuing to talk on this guy. Like we get it. You love him. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if you understand how good he is. It doesn't matter about my love. It is how good this man is. You you don't think I understand how good Justin Verlander is? I well, the way that you were talking about it, nah, I'm a little bit concerned that you don't. <sighs> I'll wait till it's my turn. It's, uh, it's silly. Um, it was actually my uh, my pick too. Was um, it was Grizzly was Verlander, and so kind of two things about it is I was struggling to find another hitter. And while you had guys like Mookie Betts, Jose Altuve, I even saw like Joey Votto, who granted I don't know enough about, but the other best players in the decade really haven't been around even as long as Mike Trout has, who hasn't been around you know the the entire decade either, but it's just so much better than than them that uh, it's hard to make an argument against it. So Verlander has obviously been around for all the years. He's had uh, MVP, Cy Youngs in this era, and if I know he was robbed of at least one Cy Young, might have been two, but um, a World Series trophy, an ALCS MVP trophy, so he has those accolades there to stack it up as well. And, um, you know, through a lot of the decade, his teams have gone deep in the postseason. Um, you know, partly because of his performance, although I know his World Series numbers aren't, uh, aren't exactly good, but, you know, if he can play well for what for 70 80 percent of the postseason until he gets to the world series is probably better than most guys especially when you stack them up against some of the other pitchers on this list um namely a guy like clayton kershaw who has had you know better documented ales in the playoffs than um than verlander has so but i think i'm going to give you a grizzly on this because jv was actually one of the i actually picked two players because i knew that you or Ryan were going to pick JV. 
And if you didn't pick JV, I was going to pick JV because I agree with you. He has been very dominant uh, over the decade. And, and I think that dominance comes through consistency, right? Like with Justin Verlander, it's never really a mountaintop and it's never really a valley. He's really good, so don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Oh, I, I get it, exactly what you mean. It, it's is, always the, the same performance. Yeah. And, and most of the time... Most of the time, that consistency is closer to the mountaintop than it is the valley. So I think that you're spot on. I just I just had to bust your balls because the way that you were just slobbering all over him was Listen, unnecessary. I could, I could slobber all night. He's so I good. Know and, and just real I, quick, I know you to could. throw that out there because I know there's going to be dissenters, um, I brought up the postseason thing with Kershaw. Kershaw has a 4-4 ERA in the postseason. Justin Verlander, and that's in the and that's in the NL where it's easier. Justin Verlander has a 3-4 ERA in the postseason, and it's under three if you discount his World Series abomination. Matt, you are up, I believe. It's Grizzly, and I'll leave it at that. So now these ones are going to be a little shorter. Uh, the NBA is super easy for me, even though I, I'm really curious to see how you guys respond to these. It's Kevin Durant, and it's not even close. Uh, if Ta- or I'm sorry, if LeBron James did not exist, uh, Kevin Durant would be viewed so differently, so so differently. I, he would probably be considered actually the second best basketball player um, in NBA history, third or fourth at absolute worst. Um, they win the title when he's young with the Thunder um, instead of getting bombed out by the Heat if LeBron James doesn't exist. They probably stay together for at least a little longer, and we see how Russ Westbrook and James Harden have developed in the NBA, and those are not the only good players on that team either. Um, so that Thunder team would have won two, three titles maybe. Hell, you could make an argument for more, but I think they would have broke up eventually. I think the personalities and the winning, I think eventually they would have broke up, um, and then God knows where Durant would have ended up, but... I think his career would have been so different. This is a seven-footer that is uber-athletic, is amazing on the defensive end of the ball when he wants to be, is borderline unstoppable on offense. He can stroke it from deep. He's a seven-footer that plays like a shooting guard, except he's just amazing. I mean, Kevin Durant, I don't like him a lot, but Kevin Durant is absolutely insane. And people that want to try to talk about Steph Curry in spots like this, Steph Curry can't hold a candle to Kevin Durant. He is not half the basketball player that Kevin Durant is. Now, as far as what he's got between the years and his leadership, those are completely different things. We're talking about best basketball players, Kevin Durant, and it's absolutely not even close for number two. You're right, it's not close, and you're horribly wrong. Um, Kevin Durant, so the reason OKC wouldn't have won many titles is they were going to get rid of Harden anyway. If they did win, well, one, because he played shitty in that finals that they lost to the to the Heat, too. Um, but two, Sam Presti is just cheap. So they were going to get rid of Harden anyway, and then you know he didn't lose to LeBron again in the playoffs. He always lost before he would have ended up playing LeBron, whether it was because, uh, you know, Russ Westbrook was maybe taking too many shots um, or they just ran into a team like the Spurs you know obviously like the Warriors in uh, in later years so I don't know how much different his career would uh, would have been viewed they probably get that title in 11 but I don't think a whole lot after that changes you know maybe he doesn't make the move to Golden State um, but if he doesn't do that I don't think he gets you know the the two titles that um that that he got with them but kevin durant is a great player um so i mean to your credit yeah absolutely unstoppable on the 
on the offensive end. Um, but I do think part of his lack of leadership and, you know, is pretty well documented in the last two Golden State years, where even when you're in the perfect situation, um, you know, you start to become like a bad teammate, uh, which I don't know how much of a factor that was in Oklahoma City. You know, obviously, it seems like him and uh, Westbrook didn't really see eye to eye a lot of the times. Um, and then we'll see how it works out with him and Kyrie moving forward. But I know that's not this decade, but if you're, you know, a bad teammate, it, um, to me, it does Which not Which I get 100%, player. and he deserves all the knocks he gets, but he, I don't think there's any chance they break up the band, including Harden, if they win that title, and winning cures all. I mean, they're just and trying to stay on the luxury tax. The, the problem in Golden State is he didn't get enough credit, and he's been chasing that because he didn't win before that hit. He won in 11. I, I think the dynamics would have been so different. So for me, this is, um, it's kind of like half and half because I had kind of thought that he was a clear cut favorite. Um, but it's cuddly for me for the reason that I will explain when it's my turn. I second everything AJ just said. Three cuddlies. I'm clearly the second best player in basketball. Unbelievable. In your opinion. I'm going to go to one that I think this one is going to be a lot simpler and a lot easier. Uh, Alex Ovechkin is number two in the NHL and the only thing he was missing from his resume of absolute absurd dominance for ever was a title and he finally got that and pretty much the world is universally thankful he did and man does that man know how to celebrate finally winning a Stanley Cup I go watch those videos absolutely all day but people forget I mean, the narrative for so long was just them not getting it done as a team in the playoffs, which, I mean, not uncommon with Washington teams to have these great teams, like, across sports, period, to have these great teams and then come up short when it matters. But his greatness started to get lost in the quest for the cup that he just didn't have. I mean, you're talking about a guy that averaged over a point per game. You're talking about a guy that scored almost 500 goals in less than 800 games. And this is a guy who didn't dominate with just an insane athleticism or deceptiveness or trickery. People knew his game and couldn't stop it. He was a great leader. He was a great player of heart and strength. And he was insane. He was absolutely insane. And they won so many games while he was there. And then, a couple years ago, they finally got their title to just cap a decade of incredible dominance. It's uh, it's grizzly for me. I was going to pick Ovechkin, and I think it's a pretty uh, pretty easy choice uh, behind Crosby. It's grizzly for me, too. He was, I think, the obvious second-best player in the NHL. Um, so, it's grizzly for me as well. Yeah, it's been pretty obvious for the last decade that... Your arguments for one and two are Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, I, I don't think that we even need to circle back around on that one. Nope. Like, that's, that was pretty simple. So this is easy from here. So now we can do Ryan, and any ones that he has that are different, he can lay out. Yeah, so the, the first one I have different in, in uh, basketball is, to me, it's pretty obviously Steph Curry. Uh yeah, sorry. The only multiple MVP of the decade besides LeBron and gave us the best basketball season that we've ever seen as far as a regular season goes. And then obviously lost in the finals that year. Um, 
in a seven-game series, but overall, five straight finals runs, and he's one of the most efficient players in the finals that we've ever seen. Three championships, which is, you know, besides the guys on his team, of course, um, is second to guys like, you know, uh, really only, Le- well, LeBron is three in the in the decade, too, but nobody, nobody else is more than that. Um, so tied for the most, 50% of the finals in the decade, won 30% of the titles, and then 20% of the MVPs, besides giving us the best season that we've seen certainly of the decade and probably all time he spearheaded this entire new movement of basketball where now you see teams trying to recreate what he and his team did Steph it was the best player on the Warriors before Kevin Durant did come along but given given all of his gravity as soon as he steps on a basketball court and you can see it opens up the games for guys like Draymond guys like Clay who you know because of Steph Curry and with Steph Curry's presence and they they of course all work in unison but Steph Curry really made both of those guys Hall of Famers and they'll both absolutely be um, in the Hall of Fame without a shadow of a doubt and allowing Clay to get so many open looks and allowing Draymond to be allowing Draymond to play the game that he plays because Steph is such an unselfish superstar kind of the the opposite KD um, in that aspect where he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care where the shot goes, and it's almost LeBron-esque in a way, is, you know, he don't care where the shot goes, he doesn't really care how the offense is run, as long as it helps them win basketball games, which is why his assist numbers, I think he's probably topped out at like six assists or something, um, because, you know, he obviously always doesn't have the ball in his hand, because he knows the best way for their team to operate is um, with the ball consistently moving and him running uh off screens and you know taking it to the hole like you can i don't know if you guys care about you know handles or just some of the skill level but you know maybe the second best handles ever behind Kyrie. um you know he's a, a multiple time steals champion i think he's won the steals titles twice so while he's not a, a great defender by any means you know, he does play the passing lanes well um and the warriors were always one of the best uh, fast breaking teams in the nba and a lot of that started with steph because of not only the steals he would get but also the kind of chaos he would cause on a fast break where you know you have to cover him at the three-point line and then multiple times that led to an easy Iggy or like an easy KD dunk and then you know of course he changed the game of basketball and I the argument that would be against it for me is that you know he really started being like really good in 2013 so almost like the the JJ Watt right he doesn't even he's been in the NBA for all of that decade but he hasn't dominated all of that decade um, but he's, he was just such a supernova in these you know last year he was obviously hurt um but in the in the five or six years and he accomplished so much and his accolades shot up past um you know all of his peers except for lebron which to me makes him the easy number two for the decade yeah i it's hard to to go against steph um brian so like do i do i am i giving a cuddly or a grizzly here for ryan okay so Ryan, I'm gonna go Grizzly, even though I still have a different answer than that, um, because I, I agree with you that it, it, your points are well made, and I, I think that when you start getting into this kind of bridesmaid situation, you have a lot of people um, that could easily wear this mantra, right? So um, even though mine is still different, uh, I think your points are well made. 
there is one player that you can say does not have a bad shot. There's no shot he takes. You say that's a bad shot. There is one player that you can say that has changed the game of basketball in this last de- decade, and that is Steph Curry. Unanimous MVP, first one ever. As many titles as LeBron has already, it's a no-brainer. It's Steph Curry. Yeah, I would agree. I, this is the most cuddly take in the universe, and I'm really sad that it comes from Ryan, the basketball guru. I, you can argue Steph Curry's not a top five player in basketball, let alone be wrong. number two player of the decade, where he didn't even break out till halfway through the decade. Like, I mean, it's just, it's nonsense. It's pure nonsense. Uh, you're talking about a guy who, his, his claim to fame is just lighting it up, and he's led the league in per once. And that doesn't account for his lack of contributions in other parts of the basketball game. Listen, Steph Curry is a great player. He should be an all-star every year. That's fine. You can say those things. To say that he is the number two of the decade is just absurd to the point of comical. But that's where we are in sports today. I mean, you're right. There's an argument that he's number one of the the decade. The best best season of the decade. puts up the cute shooting numbers so that's that's what we're gonna do and we only understand one side of the basketball court so that's fine that's right cuddly, um, cuddly to hell um, only three championships on one side of the court that makes sense yeah that's i don't give a shit how many championships you want he could have won 11 like it's irrelevant okay sure. so matt you you went right no i'm after you no i mean you went on ryan's take is what i'm saying yeah okay well ryan um, if ryan has any more dissenting oh yeah yeah sorry 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 oh yeah you're right um, so no baseball was Justin Verlander hockey was oh uh, football for me was um, was Aaron Rodgers and it was really hard to pick between the three quarterbacks I was going through which was Rodgers Drew Brees and um, and Russell Wilson um, but I think AJ said it to, to Paul and it's something um, I agreed with nobody affects the game as much as the, the quarterback does and with that Aaron Rodgers has still had an incredible uh, in, like a really a, a marvelous decade um, he's had two really three pedestrian years in the decade and one of those years is still um, a, a pretty good year with you know 28 touchdowns 11 picks definitely not his best year and then he had a, a bad year where he only played nine games and then um, another bad year where he only played seven games but every year where he's played a full season he uh, you know statistically he's putting up numbers that are um, just like uh, amazing in terms of you know quarterback rating uh, touchdown to interception ratio which is at like four and a half I don't have the exact um, number in front of me but it's 364 touchdowns and 84 interceptions and 80 times four is 320 so it has so it's around uh, around four and a half somewhere around there which is crazy uh, really just crazy numbers to, to throw at it um, and I eventually put him uh, above Russ because they had the um, to, oh, be, because, you know, Russ, we talked about it a little bit in the Super Bowl. He was a good quarterback, and he didn't become elite until a little bit later, and he just hasn't been around the entire decade. Um, but Rodgers also has an MVP and a, a Super Bowl in the decade as well. So, yeah, my not. So, me or Paul? Me, right? Yeah, you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, Paul's last um, one. So, for me, looking at... Um, the approximate value i really like didn't want to agree with you on rogers but then yeah i hate it like, i hate my pick but so but i'm going to grizzly it because that was actually my guy as well um 
So that yeah, that's it. I mean, just you know, I, I think that he catches a lot of flack for his attitude and you know the way that everything has gone with his career in Green Bay. But I mean, he is he's a very talented passer in in my analysis, my in depth analysis. I, I think that he's a very good passer, and so I think that like. The, just having him on your team makes your team automatically better and in a position to win a lot more games and threaten playoffs and possible Super Bowls. And it's uh, I don't think the Packers I don't think the Packers have been held back because of Aaron Rodgers. I think they've been held back by the personnel they're surrounding him with. And it's um it's two uh two MVPs for the decade, not just one, which I thought it was only one, but it's two. Uh, you're right, uh, AJ. He is a very accurate passer, just not quite as accurate as the better quarterback, go. Drew Brees, who's been screwed out of MVP. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get <laughs> so it's I know we're going to get to that in a minute. I, I knew Drew Brees was Matt's guy. Is that cuddly for you, Matt? you damn right. He picked the Fudge Packers. Yeah, all right. Um, so I just think it's incredible that uh, Ryan managed to pick not one, but in two separate sports, the most overrated player in the entire sport. It's it's incredible. It's amazing. It just truly an accomplishment. It, very worthy of my cuddling. Yeah. So the ones that I agree on, um, Ovechkin, obviously, I think we all agree on that one. Um, I obviously just agree with Rogers, though. I I kind of took that approximate value and equated it out over ten years for Patrick Mahomes, and I would put him you know, probably project him to be up there. Um, but next just, decade, next decade. Yeah, two seasons, not enough sample size. I mean, he's played two two seasons in this decade, so he doesn't count. Um, though I, I was going to put Breeze up there, Matt, but I just didn't. I went with Rodgers because of the higher approximate value. So um, in the NBA, for me, um, I, I agree with the Steph. I, I agree with the Kevin Durant. But then I looked at some numbers for Westbrook. Um, and, and I know that he's a character and, and very, like, um, I don't even know what the word is to describe him, but his, his numbers are good. Um, and I think being in a situation other than Oklahoma City could, during this run, I don't think now that he's in Houston with Harden again and all that being, I, I think that this is kind of the down, downhill slide of his career. But I think prior to this, if he's in any other situation, I think that we're very equally talking about him and other people just for the sole fact that he averages 23 a game, which is just a few points less than Durant did. Uh, 7.1 rebounds a game, which is equal to the amount that Durant averaged over his career now. And then he averages 8.3 assists a game. So he's, he's affecting all aspects of the offense for sure. Um, but then I went to his effective field goal percentage at 46.7%. He's making nearly half of the shots that he takes, which is um, ridiculous. And then um, I forget what PW stands for, but it was 101.3, which uh, I, I saw is very good as well for Russell Westbrook. I, I think he's a game changer in a lot of ways. Um, maybe not necessarily in a sense, which is why I agreed with Steph. Um, but I... Westbrook and Durant, I mean, to you kind of get almost a 1A, 1B situation. I like the argument, AJ, and, you know, to show how much hate there is on Russell, Russell Westbrook, um, people have actually talked shit about him chasing stats while averaging a triple-double. Mm-hmm. You're averaging a triple-double. It is one of the greatest stats in sports to do, and 
the people were hating on him for it, saying he's chasing it. How are you chasing getting rebounds and chasing getting points from your teammates? That's team basketball at its best. And Westbrook epitomized it. He just had an attitude that people didn't like. I love the fact that the man plays angry. I love watching him drive to the hoop. Uh, it is a hell of a lot of fun to watch, and he is one of the best basketball players I've ever seen, hands down. I don't care about the hate. Uh, when you average a triple-double for two frickin' seasons, that's unbelievable. This one I will absolutely give Cardley, and some things to point out about Westbrook. So Westbrook has always been knocked for his efficiency. That He takes a ton of shots and he's not efficient. Russ Westbrook's per career per is right behind Steph Curry's considered just this lethal uh, as far as uh, efficiency on the shooting perspective he's right behind him there and he has a defensive rating he's so underrated on the defensive side of the ball and this is you can say whatever you want about Westbrook and the way he plays but he plays to dominate a game and sometimes it's going to lose you a game but it wins you a lot more than it loses you his defensive rating since the merger 28th all time so why are you cuddling it? In this, I'm not. Oh, did I say cuddling? Yeah. yeah I did every, if I did. I'm sorry. If did I everybody did, else I hear him say cuddly? Yes. Okay. I missed. You said that, it's absolutely it's absolutely cuddly. Is what you said. No, and then no, you made I mean, the I, argument I, I, for me. I mean, me. it's no. I mean, it's absolutely grizzly. No. Um. I, again, I think Kevin Durant, bar none, is the answer, just because of his ability and the way he can impact the game when engaged. But I have no problem with this argument, and I certainly think he has a much better argument than Steph Curry. And I don't want to hear any garbage about titles ever again. Cool. So, uh, Russell Westbrook, I do think it's an interesting pick, and for the NBA in general. I think if you're looking at just numbers, there are a couple different guys that you could have selected because of the way that just different coaches run their different systems. Like when KD left, and I know Westbrook was putting up good numbers um, before, when KD was there, but obviously when he left is when he started averaging the triple doubles and things like that. So guys like Westbrook and guys like Harden who put up these insane numbers because they're just asked to do so much because a lot of the times they're the whole team. Um, I do. Th it makes for some amazing like individual regular seasons and Westbrook, the MVP, and uh, and all of that. I don't think it's really conducive to to winning though. Um, you know, unless you're going to be a, a guy like Kobe um, to really take on the the primary responsibility of trying to do absolutely everything, and even he had um, had guys like Paul Gasol and Andrew Bynum and was running a very specific system when he was winning, uh, you know, obviously all of his titles. So for, for that reason, I would say no to a guy like Russell Westbrook because I think the way he plays hurts his team's chances of winning, even if he's maybe the funnest player in the NBA to just, like, watch. Okay. Um, and then the other one, like, I obviously had JV, like I told you, for um, – I obviously had JV for my um, baseball player, but then I also had a backup player that I thought was comparable. Uh, not comparable in the sense that, like, he's on par or on the same level with Mike Trout because I don't firmly believe that there is anybody on that level. Um, not statistically. And, and, and just by proof, uh, like, the guy that I pick was, picked was um, Paul Goldschmidt now of the the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, came into the league at the same time, that same year that Mike Trout did. Uh, Mike Trout has over a 70 war in that time. Paul Goldschmidt's at 43. 
43.1. He's collected 1,337 hits, 243 home runs, which is actually more than Mike Trout. Uh, No, just shy of Mike Trout. Um, Hitting for 292 over his career, 806 runs, which is good, 807 RBIs, 120 seven stolen bases from the first base position which i think is important uh he has an on-base percentage of 391 where the league average over the last 10 since 2003 has been 326 so that to me just he's getting on base he's doing what's needed from that uh three four spot in his lineup um and though he's lesser known which i think kind of hurts the you know bridesmaid argument a little bit I think that's because of the obscurity that he played in Arizona. Uh, a lot of people sleep on this guy, and they shouldn't. I mean, I, I can't cuddle <laughs> it because I've been definitely sleeping on this guy. So, <laughs> like, I li- literally... You're falling like, into the even trap, a, Matt. Don't fall into the trap. Not even a name that came up on people I was thinking of. There's a the reason decade. for that, Matt. No, I understand. I'm not. I'm not going to say that I'm changing my tune from who I have. But you know, AJ Don't makes a fall damn good into argument. His beautiful beard trap. Give me reasons why you're sleeping on him, or why he doesn't compare to your person without naming him. You have a lot of reasons in a minute when it's my turn. Yeah, but you can't. You can't put him. Oh, you're going to put him up against JV, right? I put him up against a lot of people. Right, Matt, no. are you done? Yeah. No, I'm done. All right. So. Man, this is cuddly. So this is a, this is where AJ is getting cute because AJ is the baseball aficionado, and he wants to pull a cute name of a very good but underrated player out, which is fine. I mean, if this was the all-underrated team, Goldschmidt would have a place, but this isn't. This is the number two player over a decade to which he does not even have a seat at the table. Uh, acceptable answers. Well, there's really too many to list, but I'll start. You can take pretty much any dominant starting pitcher of the decade, and they belong at the table more than he does. If you want to do strictly his position, Joey Votto and Miguel Cabrera both way more impact than he had. If you want to know how far out there this is, Mookie Betts, despite only playing no. half the decade, had as much impact on the field as Paul Goldschmidt did, despite playing like the entire decade. Uh, there's so many players, Adrian Beltre, Buster Posey, there's so many better answers, and it's Robinson Cano. Like, there's just, it's like... Man, you're trying too hard. You know so much about baseball, more than any of us, and you're trying too hard to just pull a very good, kind of forgotten about player there, but you want to take this man, is number two to the decade, to Mike Trout. There's so many players that are in that line before Goldschmidt, and now Goldschmidt is phenomenal, and I'm, I'm trying to load it right now. I believe, and I don't... Oh, it just loaded. First base... First base just for the decade, he's number three, which isn't that bad. That's very good. You're the third best player in your position in the decade just by statistics. I don't even want to say statistics. That's the wrong word because statistics can be evaluated differently. Um, contribution. That's how behind it's contribution. Behind who? I'm sorry? Behind who? Behind Cabrera and Vado. Okay. Now, and that's just in his position, though. I mean, there's so many other people. Posey, who I mentioned, actually has less than him, but you know how I feel about Posey. I would put Posey above him for sure. I think he's just the greatest goddamn catcher I've seen in my lifetime. Just insane. Um, but I, I just... Go ahead. It's... 
You know a lot about baseball, AJ. You didn't need to do that. You didn't need to get cute. I gotta cuddle it. This wasn't cute. I I would if I had a if I had two picks in the first round, Trout and Goldschmidt would be my two picks. I don't like it. I don't like if I wasn't, but obviously I told you I agreed with Verlander. He was my first choice. Oh no, first, which is true, in, which is fine. So, Wait, in, in, I'm not yelling at you. I just right, I know, and I'm just telling you that if that was the case, Trout and Goldschmidt would be two people I'd add to my team very quickly, ahead of Mookie Betts, even to be oh, honest with you. So. I mean, Betts hasn't done it for as long, but his last five years have been... They've been pretty good, but you know what? Pretty like, good is not the word. But but you also have to take into account, like, a, a lot of things. He also has a lot... Of, like, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens when he transfers to the West Coast and Dodger Stadium if the season gets played. Like, yeah, so sure, he's hitting 301 over the last... I don't numbers, but Betts' last five years are very close to Trout's. War-wise. That, I, I'd have to look at those because I, I, everybody keeps making that comparison. That like, I'm not, I'm not trying to I, do that. I'm, I'm not, not trying not, to but, make it. But but I've been in not. plenty of online arguments. The thing that I keep saying is, it's always a different person. Yelich, Betts, Bellinger, whoever you want to name that they're comparing to Mike Trout, who's still playing. So it's like. <laughs> There's one consistent. You can't keep throwing all these things against the wall and hope that they stick. No, and I agree. There right? is, there's so, only one Mike Trout, and I, I also don't want to be reductionist about baseball. I use war a lot because when discussing things like this, it's the quickest way to kind of encompass everything that a baseball player does. It, it's the... It's not the end-all, be-all, but it is the easiest statistic to throw out there. I mean, just because you have a higher war does not make you the better player. That's not how anything works, and there's no stat that can sum up everything someone does. But we're trying to keep this reasonable and to be concise, as concise as possible, not that I'm ever concise. And war helps you do that a lot. I just think in like the offensive statistics that really matter, OB, OBP, slugging percentage, OPS, over his career, Goldschmidt's better than Betts. And that's part of the reason why I didn't put Mookie up there. Uh, for me, it's so. cuddly. I think if I didn't choose Verlander, there were a couple like pitchers I was looking at. Um, I know Kershaw was already mentioned as the guy who had the the second war behind trout um but then even guys like scherzer before i got to guys like cabrera um so i think there are probably a couple guys that i would have gone um, with over uh over old paulie matt you're next with your takes uh, thank God for this podcast sake. All of mine were taken, so <laughs> we are done. What were yours? What what you still gotta say what yours were. Uh, JV for baseball. Uh, only because I I thought the most important person was Big Poppy for the time period, but he didn't play long enough. Uh, ended shorter than I thought it would. Thought so too. Um, Definitely Ovechkin for hockey. There's no question about that whatsoever. Uh, I think Gronk is the MVP of the NFL that's not a quarterback. Um, I've thought that since his inception into the NFL. And for basketball, um, to me, it's all. Oh, you didn't pick Brees? Oh, I, I love Drew Brees, and I think Drew Brees is, you know, underrated as underrated can be considering how great he actually is. 
Um, but for an MVP non-quarterback in the NFL, I've always thought it was Gronk. He's that important. And you look at the years the Patriots didn't win it, and most of the time it was because Gronk's not healthy. And when he is healthy, they pretty much won it. Uh, so it's just it, that's how important he was to the NFL. And I don't think anyone's changed the game as much as Steph Curry has when it comes to basketball uh, since Michael Jordan and Magic and Bird before him. So that's, that's where my uh, thoughts lie on those. And we are at two and a half freaking hours, so I think we're going to save the last Grizzly take. So, Ryan, <laughs> do the thing. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in to another episode of Sports Carnage. I hope you are yelling your favorite players uh, all along with the podcast and disagreeing and grizzly and cuddly and in, in your own time during this quarantine at your house. But make sure for more content like this that you guys follow us, number one, on wherever you can find our podcast, which is going to be uh, Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, which is Sports Carnage podcast and then make sure you're following us on twitter which is um just at sports carnage and then follow us on youtube as well which is once again sports carnage podcast but find us there give us a like share subscribe um comment tell your friends and join us next week for paul roshan aj riley and ryan griffin i'm matt bass and we are sports carnage thank you for spending another couple hours with us uh, while you are stuck at home during this quarantine we hope you are all safe and healthy and we will be back with you all next week <laughs>